Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So let's look to the Lord. Father, thank you that you are the God of the Word. And through the Word, we hear you, we see you. And we thank you for that revelation. Through the Word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 35, verse 7. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. But Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died. And she was buried beneath Bethel under the oak. And the name of it was called Elon Bakuth, or the Oak of Weeping. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Padanaram and he blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob, thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name, and he called his name Israel. God said unto him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins in the land where I gave to Abraham and Isaac to give to thee where I will give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil thereon. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him, Bethel. And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin, and Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrat, which is Bethlehem, and Jacob set a pillar upon her grave. That's the pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. Okay, now, we've seen so far this very unique meeting that Jacob has had with God. It's just been amazing. And in verse 9, we saw this initiative that God took when he reached down from heaven, so to speak, And we have these words, and God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of the panorama and blessed him. I mean, how great is that? I mean, how wonderful is that to read how God takes a step to appear to Jacob? Then in verse 10, we further read another amazing words when it said, and God said, God said unto him. Those two statements just show how amazing Jehovah Jesus is and that he appears to Jacob and he speaks with Jacob. And when you look at verse 13, how is the place described that where God went up from Jacob? How is it described in verse 13? Tell me. The place where he talked with him, the place where God talked with him. Keep that word in mind. That's the place. That's a special place because that's the place where God talked with him. You look at verse 14. How is the pillar described? Same way, isn't it? The place where he talked with him. When you look at verse 15, how is the place 
How is the place that he named Bethel again described? Same thing, you know? I mean, God doesn't stutter. I <laughs> don't think there's any reason why there's this emphasis. All three of these verses, he's, he's saying the same thing. There's an emphasis here. The Hebrew word that's used here is really talk, Debar. He said he talked with him. He talked with him. He talked with him. I mean, there's an emphasis. The emphasis here is on the greatness of this place because this is a place where God talked with Jacob. I mean, just think about that emphasis that's repeated here over and over again. He talked with him. You know, do you like to talk? I like to talk. I don't know. Maybe not everybody doesn't like to talk. I like to talk anyway. When my granddaughter, Grace, girl, you know, she was little, she went up to, and she said to her mother, Jeanette, she says, Mom, and her mom wondered, well, what does she want now? And so Jeanette says, what? And Grace says, "Mm, let's talk. (laughs) And her mom said, okay, what do you want to talk about, Grace? And Grace goes, "Mm, God? (laughs) Anything else? Grace just wanted to talk because she found comfort in talking. And not so much in the content, you know, what do you want? Okay, but anything, trying to think of something her mom would like to talk about. But just comfort, what? To see her mom taking an interest in Grace and an interest in what Grace was going to say and an interest in what she was going to say, uh, what, what her mom was going to say back to Grace. I mean, just, just, just think about that and how she wanted to see her mom apply herself in the conversation. And th- that's, really all my, that's really all Grace wanted. She just, just talked. Let's just talk. You know, that's the same for us. Talking is wonderful when each person is 100% focused on the other person. Talking's not wonderful when each person is not 100% focused on the other person. Talking is wonderful when each person is 100% focused on listening to what the other person is saying. You know, talking's not wonderful when a person is not 100% focused on listening to what the other person is saying. Talking is wonderful when a person is, when each person is 100% thinking. They're focused on thinking about what to say to the other person. And talking is not wonderful when each person is not 100% focused on thinking about what to say to the other person. All this 100% stuff, all this 100% focus on the other person, on the listening, on the thinking about what to say, on the focus, that's what makes talking wonderful. But that kind of wonderful talking today is rare because today that percent of the focus on the other person and the listening and thinking of what to say, it's not 100%. Because people talk to each other today with less than 100%. And instead, when you talk on the phone with a person, you can hear the click of the computer. (laughs) That's the keyboard. Because they're working on something else and their mind is some other place. You know, or they're on their smartphones. And if they're smart, they'll put it on mute so the keyboard clicks don't so you get sounded. You know, and you're fortunate if you get 30 seconds of 100% focus before they start to do something else, before we start to do something else. Talking is wonderful when each person turns off their cell phones and shuts the world out around them and only sees and hears the person they're talking with. You know, last week I was talking with this Israeli woman named Adi in Baltimore, and I was trying to speak to her on the phone about the Lord Jesus Christ. I was trying to make the talking wonderful 
by being 100% focused on, on her and listening to her and, and 100% focused on what to say back to her. But you wouldn't believe it. Adi had three conversations going on at the same time. Uh, one conversation was with me on the phone. The other one, she had another phone on the speakerphone where she's yelling at her husband who's just been stopped by the police and wanted to see the emission records for the car. And she's trying to direct him where they are. Another conversation is with carpenters who were replacing the wood deck outside of her 100-year-old house, and she's arguing whether that should be cedar or oak, wood. So I just engaged in that conversation, too. <laughs> you know, but that was the great thing about Ronald Reagan. That was the great thing about Ronald Reagan. He always returned every phone call every day and said that when you spoke with him, he looked you right in the eye, and you felt as though you had 100% of his attention. You were talking with the most powerful man on earth, you know, at that point, and you had 100% of his attention. How great is it to talk about the most powerful person in the universe and have 100% of his attention? When we have a wonderful time of talking, that's the 100% focus, and we remember those conversations because we just come away from those type of conversations with a sense that we've been loved, that we've been cared for, we have a sense of our importance. We have a sense of comfort. And when you and I just want from God, just we want this sense. We want, to, we want to sense God loves me. God cares for me. When you and I just want a sense that I'm important to God. When you and I just want uh, to, from God just the sense of God comforting us. You know what you, you and I do? We do a little grace dip. We just go and sit down and we say to God, let's talk, God, let's talk. That's what we do. And when our hearts want from God this comfort, this confirmation of his love and of his care and that we're important to him, we just say to God, God, let's talk. It's those three words, God, let's talk, that makes for wonderful morning devotion times. Man, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you right now. Start tomorrow morning with a new practice. When you're morning devotions, start with a three-word prayer to God. When you, and really mean it, and just start your morning devotions by saying, God, let's talk. Yeah? Because when you pray that prayer, God, let's talk, and really mean it, that means we will be 100% focused on God in the conversation. We will be 100% listening to God as he talks to us in his Bible. We will be 100% thinking about what to say to God in prayer. And that's going to make our morning devotion time wonderful because we'll be 100% focused on God. Our morning devotion talking time with God are not wonderful if we are not 100% focused on God. But to pray and mean, let's talk, will make this morning devotion time wonderful because we'll be 100% all this listening to God as he speaks through his Bible. And it's not going to be wonderful if we're not 100% focused on listening to God when he speaks through his Bible. But when you pray that prayer, God, let's talk, it'll make our morning devotions times wonderful because we're 100% thinking, what am I going to say to God in prayer? You know, our talking times are not wonderful with God if we're in our morning devotions, if we're not 100% thinking about what to say to God, if we just repeat mindlessly the same phrases in prayer without 100% thinking about what to say to God, that's what the Lord Jesus Christ called vain repetitions in Matthew 6, 7. Matthew 6, 7, when he says, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions. What's he saying? 
He's saying, put yourself, your mind 100% into thinking about what to say when you pray. But he says, when you pray, use not repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they'll be heard for their much speaking. It was so great here when God talked with Jacob. In verse 14, where it says, God, Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone, poured a drink offering thereon, he poured oil thereon. I mean, Jacob set up a pillar to commemorate. God talked with me. And that was probably, that, that was probably the first pillar that he put up, you know, many years before that fell down. And, but, but now he's repairing it, the old pillar there. You remember in Genesis 18, Genesis 28, 18, when he says, Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. So now here he is back again, verse 14, we read that Jacob's setting it up and he's, he's pouring, a, he's pouring a, a drink offering on it. It's the first mention, by the way, of drink offering in the Bible here. Under the law, it was roughly about a quart and a half of wine poured on it. But then he pours oil on the pillar just like he did when he put it up the first time. And now we read in verse 15, Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him Bethel. Oh, he already named it Bethel. Why does it say he named, he calls it against Bethel? He already did that. Jacob already named the place Bethel. Then, then why are we being told that he's renaming the place Bethel or confirming it? The Bible never repeats itself except there's a reason. And we see the reason why this is repeated, why this renaming is repeated when we remember what Jacob first said when he named the place Bethel. It was in Genesis 28, 16 through 17, where in Genesis 28, 16, it says, and Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, surely the Lord's in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So when Jacob named the place the house of God, Bethel, is described as during a time when Jacob awaked out of his sleep. And then he says, and he wakes up, and the first thing he says is, surely the Lord's in this place, and I knew it not. See, when it says that Jacob awaked out of his sleep, we see that Jacob woke up from more than just physical sleep. He woke up out of a spiritual sleep to realize that God was where he was. So the name Bethel means, of course, it means house of God, but it has a deeper meaning in that it's a waking out of a sleep of not seeing God's presence in life. And the name Bethel means waking up from thinking that we're just in life alone. You know, we're just, you know, out here alone, and, and then we may just, you know, hey, God, can you help me now? You know, and realize, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And that's why he renews the name Bethel here. I mean, we go through life, and we think we're alone, and we're not really realizing that Jehovah Jesus is with us. You know, that's like a sleep for us. And when we wake up, then we realize that we're not alone. We say, surely the Lord's in this place. Like the disciples, you know, who were caught in the storm on the Lake of Galilee, and they think, oh, we're going to perish. But Jesus was in the boat with them. Or just like Isaiah said about the Lord, in Isaiah 63, 9, Isaiah 63, 9, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them in his love and his pity. He redeemed them. He bare them and carried them all the days of old. 
So we're told that every time Israel, every time the Jewish people were afflicted, that the Lord was afflicted. And the, the name of the Lord who saved them is called the angel of his presence. So, you know, everything we're talking about that happened here at Bethel, it's not just a history of Jacob's life, but it's very important for us personally. I want you please to turn to Hosea 12, Hosea 12, 4, Hosea 12, 4. Hosea 12, 4. It's not that hard to find. It's a relatively big book in the small prophet area. Hosea 12, 4. And tell me, what happened at Bethel according to Hosea 12, 4? What happened at Bethel, where we are right now? In, in, what happened at Bethel, where we are? In, in Hosea 12, 4. Hosea 12, 4. Yeah, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. There he found him in Bethel. And then what does it say? Yeah. So, you know, what we've seen in verses 13, 14, and 15 is this whole emphasis about how God spoke with Jacob, right? In Genesis, that's what we see, that God spoke. But So, therefore, you'd expect in Hosea 12, 4, for it to say, he found him in Bethel, and there he spake with him. He found Jacob in Bethel, and there he spake with Jacob. That's what is emphasized in those verses in, in Genesis 30. But it doesn't say that. Well, it, it says, he spoke with us. He found him in Bethel. He spoke with us, which means that in Genesis 35, we're not just seeing God speak to Jacob, but we're seeing God speak to us when he speaks to Jacob. This is what makes the Bible so great, that it's for us. It's speaking to us because it's all written to us, for us. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, now, all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world come. And that's what it says in Romans 15.4, Romans 15.4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now, okay, back to Genesis uh, 35, please. Okay, now we, here we go, Genesis 35. Now we come to this passage here, verses 16 through 20, which is the sad history of the death of Rachel. This is the hi sad history of the death of Rachel. This is sad. I mean, the death, this is, this is Jacob's dear Rachel here. This is the love, this is the only love of Jacob's life, Rachel. He had a lot of other options, but he, anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, Rachel is the one that Jacob worked 14 years for, he, to have as his wife. And it seems so short, like nothing, because of the love that Jacob had for Rachel. We read about that in Genesis 29, 20. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. Jacob since the day that he saw Rachel. And on that day, he not just saw her, he kissed her. And then he lifted up his voice and cried. That was in Genesis 29, 11, you remember? And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. From that day, he had never been away from Rachel. He was either working for her in her, in her father's house and finally getting her as a wife and his love was always centered on Rachel. I mean, as it says in, in Genesis 29, 18, Jacob loved Rachel. I mean, those words describe Jacob. That's Jacob. Jacob is a man described as he loved Rachel. Jacob 
always loved Rachel. That statement in Genesis 29, 18, Jacob loved Rachel, meant that the fear in Jacob's life was that Rachel would be taken away from him. Remember what he said that? When Laban came after him and he said, I was afraid. He said, you'd take my wives away from me. But anyway, I don't know what he was meaning, but okay, whatever. But he was afraid that Jacob, uh, that Jacob was afraid that Rachel was going to be taken away from him. He was afraid that Rachel would abandon him, would abandon him. You know, death is many things, and it could be described in many ways. You have many descriptions to death. But death is in a very real sense an abandonment for the one who loves the one who died. Feeling of abandonment. The one who's left behind feels abandoned. I mean, people, to, people say these words, you know, at weddings, and it sounds very nice, you know, oh, I will love you forever, and I will never leave you, and I will always be for you for eternity. You know, the intention is good, but the reality is wrong. Because the reality is, is that the love is really going to be till death do us part. Yeah? And the intention is good, but the reality is that death will force an abandonment. And the more a person loves the one who died, the more the person is going to feel abandoned who's left behind. That's what death is. It abandons those that are left behind. The person who is outside the Lord Jesus Christ has no real expectation to ever see that loved one again. So death is the ultimate abandonment. Abandonment abandonment complex is very real today. It's very common today because people feel abandoned when death takes the ones they love because death is abandonment. Death will likely come to every person and they will abandon those who are left behind. People withhold themselves. They keep back. I mean, why don't you love, you know, love the puppy? Because I know if I let my heart go and I love the puppy that the dog's gonna die and my heart's gonna get broken. You know? and, and, and there's only one person that death will never come to and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can say in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I mean, what the Lord Jesus Christ said in that verse in Hebrews 13, 5, you know, is I will never abandon you. And he's the only one who can say that because of Revelation 1, 18, when he says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I, li- I am alive forevermore. Therefore, to love the Lord Jesus Christ is to never have to fear being abandoned by him because he lives and he's, he's alive forevermore. And what's wonderful to see here is how Jacob, when you look at it, this, this death of Rachel here, he so quickly recovers from the death of Rachel, which shows that Jacob has firmly placed all his hope now in Jehovah Jesus, who lives and is alive forevermore and will never forsake Jacob and will never leave Jacob. I mean, Jacob, who came into Laban's house, was so in love with Rachel, that he didn't, and he didn't have the Lord as his God. We know that from what he said in, originally when he was here in Bethel. But at that time, his name, well, as God is emphasizing, his name was just Jacob. And as Jacob, as Jacob, he could not have risen above the death of Rachel because the Lord was not his God at that time.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Christmas is here. Join Tom Cantor at the annual Christmas Under the Stars Free Family Festival Christian event on Saturday, December 10th from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Creation Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Games, rides, petting zoos, family photos, live Christmas music, and a live nativity, holiday food and drinks, a star viewing, and a Christmas light show, and so much more. This year, bring a toy to support Operation Save Christmas, a benefit to help support the hundreds of homeless children in San Diego out on the streets. So join Tom Cantor for this free family festival Christian event, Christmas Under the Stars, on Saturday, December 10th from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee. And bring the family and friends for rides, games, animals, music, a live nativity, and so much more. And don't forget to bring that gift for a homeless child. To learn more about Christmas Under the Stars and Operation Save Christmas, call 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104. Or go online to creationsd.org. creationsd.org.